So for those who don't know me, my name is Nathan Detweiler, and I'm the senior pastor here at the church. And we are in the middle of a series on the book of Acts. And today we are in Acts 8, 26 to 40. If you'd like to turn there, we're going to read a story of, uh, a really remarkable story about Philip, who is later known in Acts as Philip the Evangelist. He is, he's someone who came to Christ who was a, uh, a Hellenistic Jew, that meaning one who was like the Greeks, not, Hebrew, not super Hebrew culture, but was more like a Greek culture guy. But he was a Hellenistic Jew, and he was commissioned to kind of serve the Hellenistic Jewish community. And he actually, in this story, is showing signs of having a gift of evangelism. Philip was a man that was powerful in word and deed, uh, much like uh, Stephen, his co-worker, who we saw become uh, one of the first man to lose his life for, uh, for the Christian faith uh, just a couple chapters ago. But Philip is an equally powerful guy. Uh, he, we see him in Acts uh, somewhere in the 20s, and they call him Philip the Evangelist. And he ends up having two daughters who are prophetesses and are prophesying constantly. So interesting legacy, interesting person. But this is kind of the beginning of Philip's ministry, and he is uh, following the Holy Spirit, as we'll see. So it says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip said, okay, apparently. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This is one of those remarkable prophecies about Jesus Christ and what he would do in giving his life on the cross, written hundreds of years before Christ came. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Ambitious guy. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The stuff of science fiction, folks. Philip was teleported by the Holy Spirit. Beamed up, right, beam me up. Uh, And the eunuch... 
he had, he, had, he had become saved, received salvation, very joyful, maybe even wanting to talk a little more with Philip, but the Holy Spirit had different ideas. Zoom. I guess it's about 30-plus miles away that he ended up. And then uh, it says that he's, he kind of appeared, and then he said, okay, I guess I'll keep preaching the gospel. There must be some reason I got teleported here. And so he uh, returned to Jerusalem and preached in many Samaritan villages. This is a very interesting story, and I think it... it uh, begs some background information. Many of the people in the time when Acts was written in the culture were really fed up with how the culture was going, okay? So in the Roman Empire, it was a very corrupt place, something we know nothing about in the United States, obviously, or, or the world. You know, it's not that way anymore, obviously, you know? No corruption, no, no news stories that are questionable, nothing. Um, so it was very corrupt. Try to put yourself there. Uh, and life for many people had become so hopeless that they were despairing life and looking for answers. Because, you know, when, when it seems like everyone has an answer, uh, but nothing is really satisfactory, uh, that's a depressing thing. And so people, people were kind of driven to this place in general by just how hopeless it was and how the culture was so corrupt. And they were looking for something right and true and good. And I think it's true that, that uh, there's something inside the human heart. We are made in the image of God. We are not God, but we, men and women are made in the image of God. And the goodness of God compels us to desire something deeper, to desire something beyond what we can see, beyond the corruption. I mean, all you have to do is read the news from like 10 different sources and see the contradictions and see things left in and put out. It's, it's very depressing. It's hard to get your bearings in this world. And one of the things that we prize is holding on to Jesus Christ, who does not change. God does not change. And so we can kind of navigate through this, this world. And lots of people felt that way at this time. And so many people were attracted to the monotheism, meaning one God worship, which was unusual at the time. Saying that there is one God was an unusual thing. Again, you have to put yourself back there. We don't have anything like that anymore in our culture. You know, Right? <laughs> Um, so the idea of having one God was very attractive to, to people, and the high moral and ethical standards of the Jewish faith was a very attractive thing to people that were searching. And so uh, people were trying to figure out how to connect with Jehovah, with, with the God of the Jews. And uh, really, this is kind of dissimilar from today in most segments. The Jewish population was highly evangelistic at this time. They had like uh, Jewish uh, evangelism bands that would go around trying to share about the, the one God that they, that they worship with people. And many people were very eager to jump on that boat because it was attractive. Again, in a world where everything was, there was no, in a sense, there was no sense of right and wrong. There was no sense of left or right. People were just lost. Clinging on to that was very attractive. But these, uh, these bands of, of uh, eva- Jewish evangelists, in order to come to their God, uh, it requ- they required people to become Jewish, which is really interesting because... Uh, you know, these days, that's a very strange kind of concept. But what, what that meant was, if you wanted to connect with God, what you had to do is you had to be circumcised, if you were a man. You had to go through some kind of uh, baptism purification ritual thing, and you had to offer a sacrifice. And, those, and, and what it basically required you to do was surrender your ethnic identity and become associated with the Jews and become a Jew yourself, in a sense. So if you were like the Ethiopian eunuch, who was an African... Uh, who lived over a thousand miles from Jerusalem and apparently had ridden there in his chariot, which is a really long drive. 
I mean, I, I was shocked at seeing, I never thought about how far he was actually traveling back and forth, round trip, really far. If you're someone like him, you're, he, was, he was probably very attracted to, to the faith, but he did not want to become a proselyte, meaning become Jewish, because that meant surrendering his ethnic identity and becoming associated with the Jews. And so people like him uh, were put in a different category. They weren't proselytes. They, weren't, they hadn't become Jewish. They were called God-fearers. You heard that term, God-fearer? So folks that did not want to go through circumcision, did not want to go through uh, surrendering their ethnic identity in order to come to God, folks that, that weren't willing to go that far but still were attracted to Israel's God became put in this category of God-fearers. And that's probably who this eunuch was. They were people who traveled to Jerusalem, who worshipped Yahweh, the one true God, uh, but maintained their, their ethnic identity and did not surrender that. And there was a special place outside of the temple for these God-fearers to worship. We're going to see later in Acts, shortly later, there was a centurion who was a God-fearer. Right? Does that sound familiar? And so these folks came to the temple, they worshipped in a separate spot, and they were considered unclean by the Jewish people. But they were respectable. They wanted to connect with God, but they weren't willing to go the whole way. So this man, as you can probably see, this Ethiopian man, uh, he was a eunuch. He was, uh, you know, made into a non-sexual being, I suppose, uh, and was serving in a high court, probably a wealthy position. And uh, he was someone that definitely would have been considered unclean, but he was eager, as you can see, to connect to God. So the really interesting thing is uh, this very eager man who's reading Isaiah on his way to and from temple, going thousands of miles to worship God, uh, ends up with this scroll from Isaiah and reading this prophecy about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit guides Philip to this man at the exact moment that he's reading about Jesus. And, and, and Philip said, okay, I'll do it. He runs to the chariot, obeying God. And at this exact moment that's so such a pregnant moment, a perfect moment. The Holy Spirit brings him to this guy who's, who's eager to come to the faith but doesn't know how to do it. He shows him about Jesus. The man becomes a believer. And then he says, pull over the chariot. Let's get baptized. And so he gets baptized into the faith. And finally, that, uh, that layer of separation that had been coming between this eunuch official and God was taken down. He didn't need to become Jewish to become a believer and a follower of Christ. All he needed was simple faith in the Messiah who died for his sins. And he, he came to faith in a very dramatic fashion. But the thing about this story that is, is so poignant to me, apart from just the beauty of it, uh, is how the Holy Spirit led Philip. How the Holy Spirit led Philip. And it's something that I believe is actually a model for how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us today. So today we're going to be talking about uh, this, the leading of the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of God and the different ways that God speaks to us and how he guides us. And hopefully you'll leave today with a renewed sense of both God's desire to communicate with you personally and also maybe some deeper reflection on how God's spoken to you in the past and maybe have your heart opened a little bit to how God might want to speak to you going forward. So this is a journey. Hearing from God is a journey. We're going to look at how Philip did it. So first of all, uh, God gave Philip a direction that didn't really necessarily make sense. Uh, they, through the angel, God said, go south to the road, the desert road. Maybe there was a different road. I don't know. The desert road. 
that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip obeyed. He went there. Again, not knowing what the outcome was going to be, not knowing what awaited him, he just obeyed the voice of God. In verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near. And it's, it's not, it doesn't only say that Philip obeyed, he ran to that chariot. He heard the voice of God and he ran. Again, he was kind of on a fact-finding mission. We see what happened in the story, but Philip had no idea. He was just following this direction in the moment. So Philip uh, met this guy, and he saw him reading the, the scriptures. And in Philip's head, he thought to himself, we're supposed to share the good news with everyone. That's the Great Commission. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. So the, two, the first two things didn't really make much sense. Go to this road, okay. Go to this chariot, okay. He gets there, and he, he kind of looks around, and he thinks to himself, this guy's reading the Bible. He's reading about Jesus. What am I supposed to do? And he knows instantly what he's supposed to do. He doesn't even need to be kicked in the rump to do it. He knows, I'm going to explain about Jesus. This is what we're called to do. And he does. And so Philip obeys. Uh, he, he shares God uh, with, with this man. And they, he baptizes him. He becomes one of the first converts of the faithful, uh, the, the God-fearers, to Christianity. And then... In, the, in this next move, the Holy Spirit just takes Philip away over 30 miles to a different place. And that's really bizarre. Philip really had no choice but to obey because <laughs> he was teleported. And uh, he, he, he had this worldview that, you know, God it will do anything to reach people. You know, and my job is to share when God puts me in these situations. He's going to guide me there. And then what am I supposed to do? What Jesus told me to do, share the gospel. So he, he gets teleported he catches his breath, and he says, well, time to preach, and he goes around preaching. Like, it's just an amazing story. And uh, I believe that God leads us in a very similar way to the way he led Philip, though I will not claim teleportation. That's a very unique thing. I'm not sure if that, I'm not sure if that really happened many other times besides this story. Uh, and again, it's not really teleportation. It's like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit just took him away and put him somewhere else. I don't know what you call that. It's, it's something. <laughs> it's miraculous. But I believe God does guide us in the same kind of way to share the gospel uh, with other people and just to guide us in our everyday lives. I think the Holy Spirit is still speaking one way in this way and one way in that way that we don't always perceive it. We don't always perceive it. I have a couple uh, passages of Scripture I wanted to share with you. The first is from Acts two sixteen to 18. It says, this is what's spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is talking about when the Spirit fell on the, the uh, people gathered at Pentecost in the upper room. In the last days, God says, the last days being between when Jesus came and when he comes back, where we're living in the last days right now, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The Holy Spirit's been poured out on all people, and anyone who is, who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit within them. And we're always walking in a deeper desire to walk in greater communion with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we're supposed to expect to hear from God, that we are going to uh, prophesy, that we're going to see visions and dream dreams. This is the expectation of Scripture. And if that wasn't enough, we have in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and this is uh, after the famous love chapter that everyone reads at their wedding, right? 
it talks about prophecy. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, meaning God brings a dynamic word to us beyond what our current knowledge is to guide us, like he guided Philip. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. This is an interesting passage about hearing from God uh, in a way that completes our knowledge. Like Philip couldn't read the Bible and understand that he needed to go to that road. He couldn't read the Bible and understand he needed to go to the chariot. That was the Holy Spirit dynamically leading him in a Great Commission kind of way to share the gospel that was, you know, just coming to him through the Holy Spirit. So Philip knew in part, he knew the scriptures and what they meant about Jesus, but part of it was dynamic and in the moment and for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The next passage, uh, which I love, 1 Thessalonians five nineteen to 22, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. And this is not talking about predictive prophecy about the future. It's talking about a dynamic word from God meant to guide us and direct us in the fulfillment of the Great Commission and in following Jesus. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 14, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So God is still speaking. Uh, He is still guiding his people. And in John 10, uh, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but you see it there. The expectation is that people that know Jesus, that have the Holy Spirit, can know the voice of God. I mean, first of all, we, we become saved. We come, we come into the fold, if you will, using this kind of shepherd imagery through Jesus Christ. There's one gate for the sheep, and that is Jesus Christ. And we, we are saved through him. We're in a relationship with God through him and through his sacrifice. And then beyond that, you know, we come to know his voice. We listen to his voice as he guides us. So this is kind of the background that I have in my mind when I think about being led by the Holy Spirit. And the way that Philip was led is is just an amazing story. Three different things that he just obeyed in and walked in. And I was was trying to think of some ways to share about uh, hearing the voice of God with you this morning. And I want to share with you that when I first started hearing teaching about hearing from God in a dynamic way in the moment, it was something that was very intimidating to me. In fact, I was very discouraged by it because I was young, for one thing, and I was not very patient. I didn't really have um, this sense of it being a journey. But I thought to myself, I want to hear from God now like other people around me do. I want to hear from God clearly. And I would spend many hours trying to seek after God and hear his voice, feeling very inadequate because I felt like I was failing. I felt like he, I felt like, you know, God's speaking to other people in a dynamic way, guiding them, but he's not doing that to me. And I had kind of a woe is me feeling about it, honestly. Has anyone ever felt inadequate in this kind of area or felt like a loser at hearing the voice of God? <laughs> well, the good news is, I mean, it's a journey. And here I am, you know, years later, and I feel like I have a, a comfortable, secure handle on hearing from God. Uh, and it's not, it's not exactly what I expected, uh, what I was thinking when I was a y- very young, but it is very fulfilling. It's very dynamic, and he guides me. Um, and I think anyone can come to hear the voice of God by the Holy Spirit, any, any person, any Christian. I think it's their birthright to hear from God. I think that every Christian can hear from him, but not, not every Christian hears from God in the same way. 
Uh, people hear from God in different ways, and we're going to look at some of those different ways that, that we hear from God, and we're going to kind of um, locate ourselves in the spectrum and then just commit together on a journey of learning and discovery. Because uh, the, the, the thing about hearing from God, I think, is that um, you could hear God 100% more than you hear him now next year. That might mean that you heard him once, right? <laughs> you know? Um, but we can grow in this. We can move. It's a journey of walking with God. There's some really cool, cool things that happened to me uh, when I first came to faith where I got some really special words from God. And I thought about bringing them out and sharing them with you. But they're so personal to me that it would have felt like spiritual exhibitionism. I wouldn't have felt right about it. But I, suffice it to say, I have an email that I printed out from 2002, same paper, yellow paper at this point, in my desk, and it has a word from God for me from someone, a dynamic word that affirmed me as a person who I am, how God sees me, and what God's calling me to do. And I hold on to that. And it still serves me to this day, that piece of paper. I have it memorized. I think about it when I'm discouraged. That's the power of the dynamic, revelatory word of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's something that can sustain you. When I was in college, uh, one of my professors gave me a prophetic word, which again is so personal that I can't really share it. It's just, it's too close to my heart. And it's something that I have seen unfold over the last you know, 15 years. I think about it from time to time, and I think, I think that's coming to pass in my life more and more, a very personal, uh, personal thing. A couple of things I will share with you. Last week, I was praying about some issues in my heart and thinking about things, and uh, I had all these different thoughts that were catching in my head. You know how like, when you, like a strainer, you pour water through it, and then whatever's in the water gets strained out, Right? You go through life, and certain things just catch you in your head, and you think about them, you dwell on them. They bother you. They bother you. Like a, a conversation, a little snippet of a conversation where you just didn't feel quite right about something someone said, or, or uh, you, you read something or heard something on the radio, and it just sticks with you. I had like four or five of these different things, and then uh, and I, and I prayed about those things, and then someone gave me a word from God for me that not by itself spoke to me, but tied all those disparate threads together. And God did a dynamic work in my life where he lifted an actual burden I was carrying. It's very subjective. I can't show it to you, but there was this burden that was on me that I didn't even realize was on me. And through the prophetic word and through how God made sense of all these things, I realized God had been speaking to me all along, but I had not perceived it. I thought of it as my own thoughts, my own whatever. And that was something that was, was really interesting to me. And uh, it's, it's such a gift to have that kind of dynamic revelation when you need it. Um, I'd like to point out, when we're talking about the prophetic, when we're talking about these dynamic words from God, we are not talking about extra-biblical content. Like, I don't take the things that I feel God's spoken to me and staple them to the back of Revelation. Mostly because Re- Revelation says, <laughs> has a stern warning about that. You know, are you familiar with that? If anyone adds or takes away from the words of this prophecy, then, you know, etc., 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 ellipses, ellipses, ellipses. That's not good. The Bible is sufficient and uh, authoritative. It gives us the truth we need in order to be saved and, and to grow spiritually. And it also uh, gives us the truth that we need to make objective judgments about what is right and wrong. The Bible is sufficient for, for everything we need for life and godliness. When, when we talk about dynamic living words of God, we're not talking about something that contradicts Scripture. In fact, everything that we hear from God needs to be tested by Scripture 
So in other words, if someone says to me, I feel really led to, you know, leave my wife because God wants me to be happy. You know, God wants me to be happy, so I feel led to leave my life, wife and be with another woman. I say, well, you know, you don't. You don't. Sorry. Because the Bible does not, the Bible teaches that you are to remain married to your spouse. <laughs> and the Bible does not teach that God wants you to be happy. Anyone shocked by that? <laughs> Although I hope that you're happy. I really do. And, and you know, it does, it does ultimately make you happy to follow God because you're in his will and you have a peace that you don't have when you're outside of that will. So yes, I want you to be happy. But God did not tell you that. It contradicts the Bible. So these are the kind of things we're talking about. It's not contradicting Scripture. It's in line with Scripture. And it needs to be tested by Scripture. But nonetheless, there was a time in my life when I felt that these kinds of words from God were kind of a scary territory, a, a territory of, um, you know, we're on a ledge. Like, this is really sketchy at best. And the Bible is what I feel really most confident about. That's a pretty good perspective. It's better than the other perspective, you know, where the Bible is secondary. But the Bible is so primary to me, I found early on, that I felt nervous about this prophetic idea of, of words from God, which is probably some of the reason I had a hard time developing my ability to hear from God for a long time. But the thing is, the scriptures testify, as I showed you, that we can hear from God. And so the very scriptures I was holding up were testifying to this truth that I could hear from God in a dynamic way, uh, but I was not able to to really perceive that until I got, got to peace with that idea. So, uh, um, but nonetheless, God is leading us, and he's leading us dynamically. He's leading us in line with his will. And in the case of Philip especially, here he is leading Philip in such a way as to bring this Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch to faith. Uh, two years ago, I was slated to preach here at New Life Fellowship. Um, at the time, I was preaching about once a month or so uh, when Pastor Mark was here. I was slated to preach, and I, as is my custom, I wanted to come in early and kind of work on the sermon. In fact, I didn't have very much time that week to work on the sermon because some things kind of got in the way of that. So I was trying to get up extra early to get in and work on the sermon. So I get outside at like 5 o'clock, and my car will not start. My car wouldn't start, and we, I didn't have uh, another car. For some, I think Jackie might have been away. She, she must have been because I had no one to bail me out. And it was really early, and everything I needed for sermon preparation was at the office. So that was very troublesome to me, but I really felt a peace about it. And I, I thought, you know, I think this is from God. It's just an impression I had, an inner impression in my heart. And so I got out my bike, and I lived on East Avenue at the time, and I, uh, the tires were flat, so I filled the tires, and I started riding. And I'm just driving to church, thinking about how sweaty I was going to look when I preached, you know, like one of those fire and brimstone preachers banging the pulpit, all sweaty and scary. Uh, so I'm driving, 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 and then I, uh, I stop at Stewart's to get a cup of coffee, and I really... I, I, I saw this guy sitting on a picnic table with a big hamper full of stuff. And he didn't look like he was homeless. Uh, he just looked like a guy that had a hamper of stuff. And it looked very strange at, you know, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. So I went up to him and I said, hey, uh, I'm Nathan. What's your name? And I kind of met him. And I said, hey, can I buy you breakfast? So just in the moment, I felt an impression to do that. 
So I bought him a breakfast sandwich, and I sat with him, and we had breakfast. And I found out that that morning, his girlfriend had kicked him out of his, her house, and he was homeless. He didn't have a place of his own. And he was sitting there with all of his possessions. She had just dropped him off there. And, uh, and you know, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually headed to the church to, to preach, but I can, I can uh, take you over where you need to go. So I, then after church, I met up with him and got him to shelters of Saratoga, and I've been friends with him for uh, several years now. And uh, I've gotten to share the gospel with him. I've gotten to share about Jesus Christ in a very direct way and have him um, understand what that means. And I'm not sure exactly where he is, but he's, he's in process. He's someone who's God's, who God's working on. I've been with him through a new relationship and through him having his first child, you know, when he had, first had his first child and been a part of his life as he got, got a house of his own and all these different things. And I just think to myself, none of that would have happened if my car had started, which it did later. My car started later. <laughs> um, none of that would have happened. And, you know, all that, let's face it, it was like an anxiety that was churning in me of, you know, am I, is my sermon ready? Am I going to be able to do this? Didn't matter to me at all. When I got to that Stewart's, all that thought about the sermon and different things, I thought, who cares? This is so important. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean who cares about you guys. I meant like, this is the most important thing I could be doing. I felt such a peace. I felt like this is exactly where God wants me. And if God, God can do this, then I'm going to be able to preach. And I did. No problem. So that's an amazing story. And it really, it came to, uh, to mind when I read about Philip. Because that's kind of exactly how he got led. He, I mean, I had an inner impression. And, and, uh, and meeting this guy, seeing he was down and out, you know, I, I thought to myself, this is what God's calling me to. God is uh, looking after the brokenhearted and people that are widows and orphans and people that are destitute. Like, this is what I'm doing. I know from the Bible that this is what God would want me to do. And as we've gotten to know each other, I know from the Bible that God wants me to share the good news with him. You know? I know that. So that's what I can do. So uh, hearing, hearing about Philip, hearing about that kind of story and thinking about some of the ways that God has spoken to me um, is, is all well and good. But this morning, like I said, I want to invite you into a journey of coming to hear God's voice more clearly for yourself. Because like I told you, um, being young in the faith, I was very impatient. I got very frustrated very quickly. And I did not uh, seek God consistently by sort of... Uh, I would try really concentrated in a, in a very acute way and then feel discouraged and give up. Oh, God doesn't speak to me. Woe is me. But this is a journey. Hearing God is a journey. No two people hear from God the same, but God does speak consistently in certain ways. So I want to go through a list of, of uh, different ways that God speaks uh, to us. And at the conclusion of today, I want to invite whoever wants to have a deeper uh, ability to hear from God and wants to commit to a journey a journey that's sometimes frustrating, a journey that's sometimes disappointing, but ultimately brings us to Jesus, our shepherd, and brings us to hear his voice, I would ask you to come forward and, uh, and, and sing the final song and pray to God. Uh, but these are some of the ways God speaks. This is uh, data culled from the two books that we have read as a church, River Dwellers and Five Stones. Last week we heard about the chapter of hearing from God uh, from Five Stones' book. But these are two lists that are very... Uh, similar to one another. And uh, the first numbered list is going to be uh, the five stones list. The second list you'll see is from River Dwellers, and you'll see where there's some crossover. So first of all, we can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through the Bible. Uh, Just get in the Bible somehow. 
Uh, there's so many different ways to read the Bible. They have a Bible in 100 days studies, Bible in 365 days, Bible in five years. You know, figure out some way to read the Bible. Get into the Bible. This has everything you need to know about you know, morality, about what it takes to be saved, about how, about how we hear from God and follow God. It's all in the Bible. And you know what? It would just do you such good to get into the Bible. It really would. Uh, you'll find that God speaks to you more and you hear him better in your life when you have the Bible in your heart. And God is constantly bringing... You might read the Bible, and people have said this, it's so mundane, you know, I'm just reading, but I'm not getting anything. Because we're, we're thinking very devotionally. Like, we're thinking about, what do I need for this morning? But if you, if you consistently read through the Bible, it might not be pertinent at that moment, but God will bring it back to your remembrance by the Holy Spirit when you need it. If you have no Bible in your consciousness, you're not going to hear from God in that way. And it's a tragedy because it's in your language. Some people are dying for the Bible and they don't have it. It's illegal in some countries. We have the Bible. Um, And in an age when we are just pulled in so many different directions for our time, just take a small percentage of the time you watch Netflix and read the Bible. Amen? Just binge read the Bible. I saw the first five seasons of Bible. It was awesome. I wonder what's going to happen to Moses. Was he the black smoke or the white smoke? <laughs> what's going to happen? Binge, binge read the Bible, binge listen to the Bible. It's good stuff. We hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through the Bible, and it's so authoritative that that's primarily a way that God speaks. So if you feel like you just are not growing and it's not going well for you, get in the Word of God. Good stuff. We hear uh, the Holy Spirit speak to us through a still, small voice. Five Stones book says, Rob Reamer in River Dwellers calls it the whispers of the Spirit. That's like an impression in you where you just feel God guiding you. You know, you hear a voice telling you, go to the left, go to the right. And that's what I experienced when I was driving my bike to work, uh, to, to the church, rather. I felt, um, I felt like this was God's guidance, and I had a piece about it, okay? So still, small voice. We can hear the Holy Spirit uh, speak to us through the counsel of other disciples of Jesus. This is huge. This is huge, huge, huge. Uh, Open yourself up to community with people. Get involved with a small group. Try to connect with other people from church because, you know, you could be doing kind of poorly and ask someone for prayer, ask someone to pray for you and ask them to counsel you, ask them if they would seek God on your behalf, and they'll do it. You know, they, they'll, they'll love you and they'll do that. And last week when my friend shared with me a prophetic word that was a breakthrough for me and lifted a burden from me, that was at my request. I said, could you pray for me? He did. And a few days later, he had a word for me. Awesome. But just good counsel. If someone tells you, you know, you might, you might not want to, you know, buy that $800,000 house because you only make this much a year. You know, just, <laughs> it could be God speaking to you. Christians are there for your good. And God's given us the community for that. Uh, in, in, in the Five Stones book, we can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us individually by seeing mental pictures while we are praying. And then Rob Reamer talks about pictures as well in the form of dreams and visions. A, a vision is a dream you have while you're awake, okay? So you see something in your mind's eye, and, uh, or you have a dream. And I've, I've recently had spiritual dreams that have been significant for me, but uh, people hear from God through visions. It's in the Bible, and, and it happens. Um, some people have that. Uh, experience. We can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us by knowing something with certainty. That's five stones. Rob Reamer calls it knowing something in your knower, which everyone at New Life really likes. They like that phrase. Uh, there are sometimes when you just know something. You just know something. And, and 
you just do. And so it's, is it so you can pray about it? Is it so you can talk to someone about something? You know, what is the purpose for you knowing this, but you know it deep in your heart? We can hear the Holy Spirit speak to us in prayer as we are moved with compassion and empathy for one another. I found this so many times when I'm praying for someone and I just feel empathy for them. You know, I feel a love for them from God, and I can feel what God feels for them, and it makes my prayers more effective. And so the Holy Spirit speaks in that way. And then the final two that are not mentioned in Five Stones, the audible voice. Everyone would love that one. That's my teenage self, wanted to hear the audible voice of God. Never have. Some people have heard the audible voice of God. That would be awesome. Has anyone here heard the audible voice of God? Okay, yeah, there's a couple. It's not like, I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing by the grace of God. And then the final one is a word in our mind's eye. And uh, this is just seeing a word and just, I'm just getting this in prayer. As I'm praying for you, I see this word and does it mean anything to you? You know, is it, could it possibly be from God? Uh, as far as, as, far as uh, visions go, you know, when I was in college, I was praying for, for, for someone and I saw a, a um, I, had, I had kind of this mental picture. I don't even know how to describe it. Of of sitting on sitting on a dock and and holding out uh, um, a stick to someone, and I and I shared this with this person as I was praying for them, and she said yesterday I was sitting on a dock, holding a stick, hitting the water with it, and asking God if He saw me, asking God if He loved me, and so in that vision, that little vision I had, it affirmed God's love and care for her. Very cool thing. It's, it's in your mind's eye. It's hard to describe, but it's it's a way that God speaks to some people. Now, God doesn't speak to you in all of these ways all the time. These are just some of the ways you can hear from God. And uh, as the worship team comes forward, I'd like to read to you a very short section in uh, just, just as far as what it means to hear God's voice from five stones. And this is a, a section called Discovering God's Voice in Your Story. Did God speak to you to draw you to himself when you first became a Christian? If yes, how so? Anyone? Did God speak to you to draw you to himself when you first became Christian? Has God ever spoken to you through the Bible? Yes. Has God ever spoken to you through creation as you pondered the beauty of creation or saw someone's art? Uh, has God ever spoken to you through conversation with another person? Yes, okay. I know some people just don't like raising their hands, I understand. Has God ever spoken to your heart in a sermon or message given by a minister or teacher? Everyone puts their hands up. Especially today, Pastor. Um, has God ever spoken to your heart through a worship experience, musical worship? Has, uh, has God ever spoken to you in an affirming way in area, about areas in your life that truly please him? Has God ever spoken to you by placing on your heart an urge or a burden to pray for someone? Has God ever spoken to your heart to prompt you to encourage someone? Has God ever spoken to you in his still, small voice to give you direction or encouragement? Has God ever spoken to you through a dream, a picture, or a vision? And the thing is, if you answered yes to any of these questions, the God of the universe is already communicating with you. You're insecure about it. You feel like you're a loser at hearing God's voice, but you already hear him. You already hear the voice of God, and you can hear it with more clarity. You can. You can grow in knowing the master's voice so that when he says, go here, you go. You can can grow in this. I've grown in it. I've gone from a place of discouragement to a place of of feeling comfortable and confident in how God leads me. So I want to say, as I alluded to earlier, will you come forward and commit yourself to a long and frustrating journey of coming to know God's voice? 
You know, it might be frustrating at times. It might be something where, uh, where you feel like you're, you're missing it or you're not, you're not getting it. Uh, but will you come forward, anyone who feels really called by this specific message, and just present yourself to God and say, I want to hear from you more. I'm committed to the long haul of this thing. Uh, even if it makes me feel, uh, I'm opening myself up to feeling like a failure or feeling inadequate in some ways. I want, to, I want this. I want more of your voice in my life. And the song we're closing with is Amazing Grace because the voice of God is not something you earn. It's something that's a gift of grace just like you received at your salvation. It's a gift of God. It's one of the things, it's your birthright as a Christian. So if you want to hear from God more, as we sing this song, come forward, present yourselves to God, and pray with me. Father, for all who are gathered here in the front, um, they, are, they are saying they are committed to a, a, a journey that's not without its difficulties, that's not without its frustrations, that's not without its... Um, it's a tender place, God. But these people are here to say they want to hear you more. They want to hear you more. They want to take what they have and they want to grow in it. They want to hear, hear you, your voice more clearly. They want to follow you more closely. They want to be a part of fulfilling your will like Philip was with this Ethiopian by hearing your voice and showing up at just the right times according to the perfect timing of your Holy Spirit. For these, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would put a catch in their mind, in their heart, that they would uh, feel that calling to seek you more, um, to spend more time uh, trying to get into things and, and reading the scriptures and considering the different ways that you speak and asking and seeking and knocking. And I pray that each person here would find you, God. That each person here would come to a place of confidence in knowing your voice and knowing what you are calling them to do. Um, that they might more fully uh, fulfill your purpose for them in this life uh, and let your kingdom come in their lives, Jesus. And for everyone here, Lord, I bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we would be uh, people who know your voice, who hear you speaking to us, and who follow you uh, like Philip did in obedience, uh, knowing that it's all by your grace, by the gift of Jesus Christ, not by something that we earn. Uh, not something that we rank in, but something that we are given freely as a birthright. I uh, lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church. God bless you.